Welcome to episode 178 of Coffee Pods and Wads. As always, this episode is sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness-focused drink to support your performance, and the Hybrid Academy, who are an Irish clothing brand aimed at helping you to look and feel your best while performing, and you can use the code POD10 for a discount on hoodies and more on the hybridacademy.store. Uh, the show is also sponsored by BurrBoxCoachingDevelopment.com. This is an online and in-person seminar course, which is CrossFit preferred and is aimed at improving you as a coach. You can use the code PODS for a discount on BurrBoxCoachingDevelopment.com. Um, if you can, have a look at whatever app you're listening to the show on right now, and you can rate and review the podcast, which makes a bigger difference than you can ever realize. It helps new eyes um, to find it when they open their app. Um, and if you want to support the show further, you can head to patreon.com forward slash coffee pods and wads and do so for less than the cost of a flat white per month. Uh, today's episode is with Ben Massey. Um, he drops in to talk all things rad. You've probably seen um, rad everywhere uh, since it launched last weekend at Wadapalooza. It's just gone online uh, this week in the USA and it'll hit the shelves in the UK with Wit Fitness. Um, and on rad-global.com as well um, from next week. Um, rad are the newest uh, shoe on the CrossFit market. They're aiming to redefine CrossFit shoes through their impact on your training, your style, and their own impact on the environment. Um, we chat about the company and its mission, um, the shoe and its style, and Ben, um, his own competitive career, and how he went all in when he decided to venture with Rad. Um, you can head to rad-global.com to find out more about them or look at Daniela Brandon's Instagram because she's her newest athlete. Uh, enjoy, listen, share and tag. So thanks for doing this first of all. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out and I'm assuming time is of the essence at the minute because you, you put up a post a little few hours ago saying like the build begins and you're in you're in Miami so like you're launching in Miami as we record like this week um yeah. and we'll talk about your so you're, you're going online um in stores uh later on in the month and like around around the time of this release and we'll talk about that later on but as uh weeks go I'm assuming this is like oh fuck like this is really happening and it's really re- yeah. like up until now it's probably been a bit of an idea like a, a more than a reality i guess completely i i think this this week is um how would i i i can i keep comparing it to the moment before you compete when you've done all your training and you're in your deload week yeah and you're kind of questioning oh did i did i train hard enough did i you know, did I work on all the weaknesses that I needed to? Am I good enough? You know, and that's the feeling is like, it's here, but it's, there's, there's, there's this element of nerves around it. Like I keep getting butterflies when I think about what's going <laughs> to, what's coming later this week. Um, that's good though, I think, right? Really because like, if, no, you're, yeah. if you're going, if you're going into it being like, this is going to be great. That's when it's like, hey, Ben, uh, the shoes never arrived or like, hey, where's our tables or where, you know, like, oh, we never set up a like cash point or, you know. I know that like, I've, my room is full of, I'm like going through all the card readers and like, I've just got so many like cables all over, like all this kind of stuff to to kind of figure out and you you don't I think I underestimated how much goes into even just this event let alone what I've been through for the past three years and I think it was probably a good thing that I didn't really know what I was doing 
<laughs> yeah. Um, no, we'll we'll talk more about the the business and stuff um, in a little while. But I'm assuming uh, coffee is being uh, consumed like oh. qu- quite regularly at the minute. Yeah. So I funny thing with coffee is I I only started drinking coffee in twenty like end of twenty seventeen. What age are you? 32. 33. Fuck. Why had you not drank it until then? I was just... I, I just... I, I always loved the smell, but I would just get too buzzed. Like, my, oh, okay. I'd have some, and my I would just be, like, jittery and just couldn't function. And then um, I had my first one in, in Madison, in the Marigold Cafe. I don't... Uh, cafe, which is... I don't know if you've ever been... Have you been to Madison? I have, yeah. I was there. Um, I was there in twenty nineteen. Marigold. Yeah, so it's like this. It's like this sort of cafe pancake breakfast place in downtown, um, and they're always. It's really cool. You kind of walk in and you you order at the jump, and then you go and get a table, and it just rotates. Like you don't sit down, and they bring the order to you. you oh yeah, I didn't go in, know? but I walked past it. I see it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that was I was there with with the sort of the teammates and and my wife and Deb. She loves coffee, and for years we would always. I don't drink, and I didn't drink coffee, and she was like, well, "What? <laughs> we can't go and have a, like a nice drink of anything." <laughs> um, and she was like, "Oh, will you get a coffee?" And I was like, "Do you know what? I'm going to try it." And yeah, had a really good coffee there, and have drunk it ever since. Is that were you competing that year? Yeah, that was yeah, that was the competition year. Yeah. Is that a good idea to start adding in variables like the week so of that, competition? No, so that was it, that was the thing. It was the day after competition. So I was oh, okay, there. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, fair. Yeah. I was imagining like Steve looking across the table at you, being like, "Not now, like no, you don't. This isn't the experiment time." No, well, the whole time throughout that whole season, they were every you know every day they would go get coffee and they'd be like, "Ben, do you want a coffee?" No. Benjamin, no, and they just basically gave up on me in the end. Uh, and now I think they're all very happy that I now drink coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's it like in Miami then? Have you been to Miami before? Never. I really like it. Are you impressed? Yeah. Yeah, it's really really cool. It's um, it, the 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 mix of cultures here is like so cool. You. you you know, I've, I think I've probably heard more different languages here than anywhere else I've been ever, I think. Yeah. You know, it's just such yeah. an eclectic mix. Um, and, yeah, I, I really like it, actually. It's really cool. Do you know um, Bijan? You know, he's like um, Noah's agent, a few others. Yeah. He he drinks this. I think it's like Cuban coffee he drinks. Yeah. Um, I'd be keen to have someone who's like hasn't drank it before to drink it and tell me what it's like. So if you try one of them, uh, well, drop me a message. So I, I actually tried one yesterday. Okay, go on. It, it wasn't is it, it goes is it this, this, it goes into like the little, almost like the milk thing you get on an airplane, like the little... Yeah, it's like, small, an, yeah. like a little tiny espresso. Timble kind of, yeah. Yeah, and I went to this, I googled best Cuban sandwich in Miami. Yeah, and I went to this place called Cafe Versailles, which is 
what like I didn't know but is world famous and I've since realized it. Have you ever seen the movie Chef? No, I, my wife has, and I watched it over her shoulder on an airplane, but I didn't actually watch it. <laughs> you need to watch that movie; it's so good. Okay. Um, but but they they go to Cafe Versailles and Chef, and so I went there yesterday, uh, and I ordered. I was like, "What's the thing to get?" And they were like, "Right, get our original Cuban." I was like, "Great," and then I said, I, "I'd like a coffee as well, like whatever's like the the standard." Not really knowing what the Cuban coffee was like. About 10 minutes later, it came. I was eating the Cuban sandwich. It was delicious. And then I went for a sip of the coffee and I was like, whoa, that was a surprise. It is so sweet. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like next oh. level sweet. I couldn't. I, couldn't I thought, I, I, from looking at it, I thought it was like black. No, I think I, they. So I asked. Is yeah, there like condensed actually, milk or something in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think they put that in the, the in the frother, like they put condensed milk in the frother, and then they like pour the coffee over the top of it. And that's, okay. I I haven't fully researched it, but I kind of had a sip. Oh, and... Fuck! I'm just looking at a picture <laughs> of it here. My God, keeping yeah. up with strong dark rosa is. Oh, do you know what I hate? Uh, do you do you cook? Like, do you ever follow recipes online? Um. Deb does all the cooking. Oh my god! You know when you click, you're like, "Oh, banana bread recipe," and you just type it in, click on the first one, and it's like they've gotten like a fucking thesis out of this recipe. <laughs> and it's like, I first tried this banana bread when I was 16, and I was I was summering in Paris, and it's like, "Come on, just give me the fucking ingredients and tell me how to make it." Um, okay, so it's okay. So it's made in a mocha mocha pot or a mocha pot. Um, creamer with yeah. ground espresso and four tablespoons of granulated sugar okay Japers. so that's what it was it was yeah it was full-on yeah okay so there's cream oh, yeah. sugar there's essentially pavlova and then yeah <laughs> coffee, it was coffee like a tiramisu yeah okay <laughs> i get you i get you um so you've you've uh you've done a lot of traveling uh well all the time really i guess from com- competing and then now i suppose as well um when you're traveling do you do you like watch movies on planes are you making notes are you listening to music are you listen to podcasts or are you just like trying to beat jet lag by staying asleep or what do you do yeah good i i read um i'm a notoriously bad reader apart from when i'm traveling um i really like fiction crime crime novels um so i'll I'll probably mix between a a book and then movies um actually the the new bond the new bond movies on uh united airlines at the minute they've seemed to have all the bond movies which is really good i've been traveling a lot in the us and so you you just stream it through your phone. It's quite cool. There's not screens oh. on on the back. You just stream everything through your phone. So you, you use your own Wi-Fi. battery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can plug in, which is good. It's like proper software. Um, did you watch? Did you watch all the new Bond movie? Yeah. Okay, just for anyone listening, I'm going to spoil it. So you can just skip, <laughs> just hit hit speed on like three times. I fucking cried like a baby at the end Me of that. Too. I don't know oh if it hits God. different because you got kids or what, yeah. but I was like, me, myself and one of my friends went to it. We both have kids. We both cried. We were both like, uh, openly like, 
this is fucking gut-wrenching. Went home, my wife was like, (laughs) my wife, who, like, essentially never watches, like, Bond movies, to my knowledge, anyway. Like, she's seen, like, Goldeneye and shit. But we were, came home, uh, you know, it's really, it's like fucking three hours or something. So she was already in bed, came home, got into bed. She she was like, I was still like, oh, fucking hell. She was like, how was it? I was like, oh, man, I cried so much. Like, I was like, Jesus, I couldn't stop crying. She was like, why and i was like oh just when he dies like i just got so upset she was like well i guess i've never seen that then and i was like oops <laughs> whoopsie yeah, like, yeah we so i saw it i actually watched it on christmas day here um as my treat because we we haven't managed to get around to going um and our friends have been really good and not tell told us what happened <clears throat> yeah. and i was on my own on christmas day watching that movie blub you were all, you were on a knife edge as, before you hit play yeah <laughs> exactly it was yeah. it was brutal but what a, it went by so quickly yeah it's it, yeah it didn't feel and i really liked the um like the throwbacks to Oh, fucking License to Kill. Is it License to Kill? I can't remember what one. You know what the, we have all the time in the world. I really like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Throwing yeah, back yeah, the yeah. music and stuff. <clears throat> um, yeah, that was, was very really good. good. Surely um, they're going to find a way to bring him back to life. Oh, well, I assume it's just going to relaunch or something. It's just going to be like, forget all that other I shit. It's so like with Spider-Man. New, new oh, it'll go back. It, well, I don't think it'll go back. I don't necessarily think it'll go back to like Casino Royale launch no. like it did with Craig. But I think it'll be like okay let's just suspend our belief and pretend that all that other shit didn't happen here's james happen, bond yeah. uh, you know it'll it just be, be like Daniel craig it'll be a new no it'll be like i'd be i don't know i'd be remiss if i started guessing i don't know who the fuck it would be to be honest i thought idris elba for a while but now then i was like he's like 50 something so they're hardly gonna pick they want someone they want someone who can make who they want someone who's quite big but not so big like craig was like quite big yeah, but not yeah, so yeah. big so they can say to him like tom holland with marvel that's what they want not that young though yeah. but they want someone they're like hey uh we've got your balls in a vice grip for 12 years like you're not doing anything else for 12 years are you okay with that and they're like oh yeah oh, yeah, oh my definitely. god that sounds amazing oh i'm james bond oh i'm happy with that and then yeah, they yeah. want to keep them happier than they kept craig for longer than they kept him happy they don't want, they don't want them going into the third movie being like yeah just fucking pull the plug i don't care anymore <laughs> Um, so yeah they want they want someone they want the Tom Holland Marvel connection they want that but with someone who's a little bit older I think that's what they'll do next Um, what's the cap on that 30 35 yeah they'll they'll need someone like 28 to 34 somewhere in that bracket so that's like Tom Tom Hardy has always talked about he's out Eddie Redmayne's out yeah he's too old yeah Idris Elba's out you're looking at like what do you call that guy? Taron Egerton, is it? Or Taron? Oh, you know, yeah, he was yeah. Elton John. He's too fucking smarmy, though. Like, he's he's a good actor and stuff, but he's too cheeky chappy. I don't think they'd pick him. Yeah, but someone like that age, like someone that. someone like that. Um, anyway. <laughs> we'll get back on track. Um, so you were in America for Christmas. Were you on your own in America? Yeah, I flew over on Christmas Eve. So the week... In the UK, it was all going crazy, wasn't it? And Omicron was going to destroy Christmas. And basically on the 19th of December, I decided to like go into isolation, quote unquote. And my wife and and son, they went to her parents' house because Christmas is, is a big deal 
um, at, with Deb's family. Uh, and there's normally like 14 to 16 people around. And because it was being so contagious and everything, I wasn't that's, necessarily that's a, worried. That's a super spreader event. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't so much worried about getting it. It was just the fact that if you get it, you can't get on a plane for 10 days. Yeah. Um, and so I decided to like isolate at home, and then I got on a plane on Christmas Eve because we thought a lockdown was going to come straight after Christmas Day. Yeah. And so I've been here. Yeah, I've been in the U.S. In I was in Houston, um, Vegas. Then I did. I went to California. Then went back to Houston. Then Miami. So I've been here since yeah Christmas Eve. Houston, Vegas. What's in Houston and Vegas? Just like yeah, contact, Houston, like trying to yeah. So Houston is where our warehouse is. Oh, okay. I thought. Where the fuck did I think it was? Cleveland? No. Portland. Portland. What's the connection yeah, so with Portland then? Portland. That's a designer. Where, yeah, that's where the okay. design team are. Yeah. Okay. And then what was um, Vegas? Just a bit of crack. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of crack on the way to seeing buddies in California. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, is that so? Is is Christmas? What age is your son? He is going to be one in twelve days. Oh wow! Happy birthday to him. Yeah, uh, my my kid was two years old, like 50, fifteen days ago. Um, no more. I'm bad at maths. Um, <laughs> is that? Did it make it easier? Oh God! First Christmas. Fuck. Yeah, it was first Christmas. Was, it was hard. Yeah, was it easier because he? won't remember exactly. or was it harder because it's his first or like so like I is think, that the biggest sacrifice you've made for the shoes do you think yeah Pers personal sacrifice like yeah like emotional sacrifice for sure yeah. um i think yeah i don't envy that yeah i think it was you know that was that was a sacrifice for me personally like he's not going to remember yeah you know, he, he he won't know. And next, the next time know. he remembers that, he'd be sitting on a psychiatrist's couch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I, will, I started watching The Sopranos last night. <laughs> Starting to bring up all those, uh, like, yeah, those memories as a kid. Yeah, yeah. God. Hopefully, um, so uh, we'll we'll start off with CrossFit. So I. I've interviewed Steve Fawcett before um, and I've chatted to him a bit. Nice guy. Um, and he, I remember talking to him. We kind of didn't really talk much about the team side of things because I was like, he's probably fucking talked about this a thousand times. So I'll talk about something else. Um, mm. But I hadn't realized that you were on that team as well. Mm. So that, that was like, that was the first like British team that made it all the way to the games, basically. Yeah. Um, when did you start doing CrossFit? I started in 2011-ish. I, okay. I, I basically, I left, left up until like 15, 16, I would skate, um, surf, ski, uh, and then play rugby. And then at 16, I went from high school or secondary school to college or not college like the Americans know, like our sixth form college. Yeah. And yeah. I think that transition, I just completely stopped sport. It was a really odd time. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know which sport to continue with. I was a bit lost and I just joined a gym and I did the usual like bodybuilding stuff. And then I got into like 
powerlifting or, or whatever. And then a guy who was there, he was an S&C coach for Wasps. And he like taught me how to Olympic lift. And I really enjoyed that. And then they were like, some of the coaches down there were trying CrossFit. And they're like, oh, Ben, you should try CrossFit. You'll really enjoy it. And I did one of the workouts. I had done like no cardio for like three years and just said, no, this is fucking terrible. I'm not doing this ever again. Um, and then the open came around and there was that seven minutes of burpees. And I did the seven minutes of burpees and got like 80 and was like, I'm never doing CrossFit ever again. It's fucking shit. Um, and then the next year it came back to me again. And I was like, actually, I'm going to try this. If I do a little bit of cardio type stuff, I might be okay. And so I probably started really focusing on it from 2012. Um, and couldn't, I kept getting in trouble in the Globo gym for dropping weights and, <laughs> you know, the same old story, uh, you know, doing kipping pull-ups on a cable machine and it would rock everywhere. And, you know, all the, all the old ladies on their cross trainers kind of tutting at me. And so it was like, okay, let's open a gym and then I can do what I want. And that was kind of, yeah, 2013 was really when I really went all in because I had a gym where I could just do any kind of training um, that I wanted. Where, where was the gym based? It was in Twickenham, which is southwest okay. London. Um, and was that just and, you or you and a few others? Yeah, so I had, a, I had a business partner um and yeah we opened and we were kind of like the first one in southwest london and we 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 kind of grew very very quickly um, um had an amazing team there um and we had a really big membership like within about a year we had over 250 members mm. um and I and had you of, done had you done like level one and it, were you coaching or did you outsource yeah. that or how did it yeah so we did he he has he's a little bit older um i think he's like 10 years older or 15 years older than me he had a family and he liked doing the mornings like really early mornings so he mm -hmm. would do all the morning until midday and then i would do the afternoon until the evening and it was really good because i hated getting yeah. up in the morning <laughs> So I would, you know, do the lunch, we'd kind of split the lunchtime sessions and then I'd get my training in and then I'd coach in the evening. Um, and then we got to the point where we could afford to hire a coach and we hired Jamie Boston, who works for JST now. Um, he's, I think, probably one of the best coaches on the planet. Um, and he what, do you, was, what do you think makes him one of the best? I just think the way in which he can relate to people you know, so much of coaching is about how you interact and how you can explain something to that person. You know, yeah. it's, yes, you might be the most technically proficient and know, you know, how to do something, but unless you can convey that to your, your athlete, it's a complete waste of time. And he just has this way of connecting with you, no matter what level you are, whether you're a complete beginner or whether you're elite, he can connect with you and, you know, help you to improve or change what you're doing. Mm. Uh, it's, it's um, really good. So you start CrossFit, you open your gym, you're taking it seriously. How does JST and the games, how does, how does that um, manifest itself? 
So you're, I, you're a fair bit away because they're in Wigan and you're in yeah, they're Wigan, like yeah. London, yeah. So I qualified for regionals in 2014, uh, and Steve was one place ahead of me in qualification. We were both like on a bubble, yeah. And we kind of, I was being like really cocky, like thinking, oh, I don't need to train for for the Open. I'll breeze into regionals, no problem. <laughs> and barely scraped in and Steve was in the same boat and we discussed it and we were always in the same lane for the whole weekend uh, sorry in lanes next to each other for the whole weekend yeah. and so we kind of became good buddies there and then for the ne- next year 2015 Steve qualified uh, I was injured I think 2016 he got injured at regionals I got injured in the open again um, and then at the end of 20 or beginning of 2016 i'd started um steve was coaching me and doing all my programming and then towards the end of 2016 he said look ben i want to form a team uh for next season we want to be the first british team to get to the games you know would would you be a part of it and i said yeah Uh, i said i just need to speak to deb to check she's all right with me moving north um Deb was like, yeah, of course. Uh, I quickly proposed to her, so she didn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, and then I moved yeah, I moved up to Wigan in December okay. of 2016. Yeah. Um, so, like, after, after the Games, then, you're at, you're at the Games in 2018, so you make it, you're the first British team to get there. And then, like, most people will be like, okay, this is the start of something. I'm going to like keep pushing on. Um, You're no longer competing now. So at what point after the games were you like, did it, did the games like scratch the itch or were you like, did did it like, were you disheartened somehow by it or was it something totally different that changed your opinion towards competing? Yeah, it, it was this. What? So, we we qualified first in in europe mm. and in the open i think we'd come fourth in the world and we were in this really good position and we we got to the games and the first event we won and then the second event the boys didn't do that well i think we came like 20th or something the girls did really well in that event and we were still in the mix i think after day one we were like third or maybe second Mm. Um, and then day two came around and we just had a terrible day and it wasn't, it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just one of the events was, uh, an, like an obstacle course and it was really, really cold. And one of our athletes hands just completely froze up and they couldn't grip onto the monkey bars. So we came like last in that cause we couldn't complete it. And then later on that day in the afternoon we had an event where we got miscounted on a load of reps um like we had to do 15 extra reps of a really heavy squat and it just we were really like disheartened by it and we kind of rallied and we i think we won another event and you know placed in top 10 in most of those events but Mm. afterwards it was kind of like we'd put all this effort in and all this work and we kind of there was nothing we could do but there was almost like no control over what was happening and i think that for me was 
you know, a kind of a hard pill to swallow because it was like, you know, you can try and mitigate all the risk and do as much work as you can. But on the day, something really simple like having cold hands can mean that your placings don't reflect where you are. Um, and so I think I kind of was like uh, really disappointed. Um, and we talk about it now, you know, we still say uh, it, was, it was a fantastic journey and experience, but it was really tough to realize that you know, no one would do anything or, or you, your fate is you're not in fully control of when you're in a team. Yeah. And um, was it like immediately after it that you like stopped competing or was there like a period of time where you were kind of like, oh, maybe I'm being harsh. Yeah, maybe I, didn't, I'm being rash. I didn't train at all until maybe the January or February afterwards. I was just like, I'm done. Um, yeah. And then started training again, was enjoying it. But I was like, oh, I kind of feel like I want to do something else now. Um, and what yeah. was it something else you wanted to do? So that was where I kind of said, I was looking at the gym business and I was kind of saying, right, I go all in on this gym. Did you but, still own the one in Twickenham? Yeah. Yeah, I still. so I, okay. I still had 50%. And I was like, I want to go all in on this gym, but there's, I felt like there was a ceiling to what could be achieved with it. Um, yeah. Because you're so, again, you're reliant on having great people and great coaches are really hard to find. And, you know, I, I think we had, we were so lucky in the hires that we had made that if we wanted to open another site or several sites, it was going to be really hard to find the right people to do it. Yeah. And so I kind of, you know, I wanted to look at building a brand and I wanted to bring together sort of some new passions of mine, which was, you know, a kind of social environmental cause. And how could I bring my passion for, for CrossFit fitness training sport with a, a kind of social cause into a brand? And I kind of started looking at products and felt like there was an opportunity with footwear. Um, I'm, I hate the word sneakerhead, but I love them. <laughs> uh, I absolutely love shoes. And that was kind of as a teenager was my sort of other side hustle was collecting trainers. Um, I think I had over 250 pairs at one point. I don't have that now because I'm a, a father and a, a responsible adult. <laughs> well, you've got a few, you've um, got a few thousand on a pallet down at Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so until you sell, funny. until you sell them, I'm afraid to tell you they're still I yours. Know, they're all mine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it was kind of a just, uh, I guess it wasn't necessarily like super planned, but it's kind of a, a colliding of lots of different things that just kind of fell into into place. And I sort of was like, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start this brand. Uh, I need cash to do it. So I sold my my shares in the gym and then pretty much all, well, all that money from the sale has gone into starting the brand. And like, again, similar to like going away for Christmas, is selling your stake in the gym, is that made easier by the fact that you had been away and that you hadn't been ever present? Like, do you think it would have been harder had you not moved to Wigan and were like, 
oh shit like I've been coaching here every day for whatever the last like five years whereas now you were like well I've kind of been away maybe some of the clients have changed maybe some of the like environment had changed a little bit like did that make it easier do you think yeah I think it definitely did I think it definitely did and I think I've always been very lucky that people who who have like my parents and and friends of the family have always done jobs where if they're not happy or they want to try something else they would do it whereas I think we're sort of conditioned um, as a society that the job you start off with is the one that you have to stay in for for life kind of thing and so I think perhaps I don't have such an emotional tie to to doing the same job forever you know yeah I think there's kind of two extremes. I always think there's like most people, well, okay, there's three. Uh, most people are like, well, I've studied that course in college, so I guess this is it till I'm 65. And yeah, then yeah. there's other people who are like, I don't know, maybe I'm being harsh, but I always see them as like being born with, you know, they're born into a, you know, a good family or they've good money or or they've worked hmm. a career that has left them with decent savings. And, they're, and then they like, quit and moved like fucking indonesia and like uh, live this idyllic life and they're like just follow your dreams man just fucking quit your job and do it every and it's like all right okay i mean a bit of planning needs to go into it like i mean you can't like i've got a mortgage you know that kind of way and then i think there's the people you know like you and patrick cummings and a few others who are like who have found this kind of unique like intersection of all the venn diagrams where they're like holy shit all the stuff that i've done up until this point has led perfectly to this thing that also happens to be my passion this is so weird that it's all just coming together nicely um but yeah like fuck those people that just tell people to quit their jobs um (laughs) yeah no i definitely wouldn't advocate for that but i agree it is luck yeah i think anyone that anyone that gets that point like okay there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Like you have to make all the mistakes and you have to make, you know, I have to make hard decisions and you have to make sacrifices like being away for Christmas or, you know, whatever, selling your company or whatever. Um, mm. But it, it, there is a, there, I feel like there's a lot of people who, who miss out on finding themselves in that situation just because of bad timing or just because they, you know, it's like, um, you ever seen those like infographics of like someone opening all these doors and then, they just don't open the last one and the last yeah, one is where yeah. everything is. You know, like it's like that yeah. where they just go so far and like, fuck it, I need to go back to the drawing board and they just miss that last step. But then it's like, Completely. how often do you keep stepping? Like, you know, I um, think the, uh, there's one word that I would describe. And I think it, 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 I think if you're an athlete and you want to make it or in business and you just have to be relentless because, yeah. and I, I think, I think the other thing is, is when you're, you're, you're growing up, you're told that like, this is a path and this is what happens on the path. Right. You, and, and, and if those like little signs don't appear as you're doing something, you're like, Oh, I must be going the wrong way. But it's like, actually, no, you just need to go <laughs> another mile or two and then you're going to see it. And I yeah. think because there's that fear of, of failing or maybe you can't pay your mortgage or, or whatever it is, I think a lot of people maybe stop. Whereas, I will just keep going. <laughs> yeah. But you know? I think as well, um, I think, you know, you, you like, you do have to be relentless because I think, okay, my only experience of this really is like talking to athletes or talking to like 
you know content creators or owners of companies or whatever but like from my own experience i have seen so many people be like i'm gonna start a podcast and then it's like not what they think it is or there's maybe more work required or more time or it starts eating into spare time or whatever and they just kind of dwindle off and then they come back and then it's like oh like we're you know we're back and then like it continues on for a little while and then it just kind of runs aground again and like yeah yeah you know, you, you some like some days you just have to crawl across glass, and then other days it's like it. You know, you're on a slide downhill, and it's great, and it's everything's amazing. And then other days you're like climbing upside of a mountain again. But like you just kind of have to keep going. I think. Um, yeah, and that's part of it, isn't it? I think yeah. you, you you have to. <laughs> I know it's corny, but that journey, enjoying that journey. If you're not enjoying the journey, then forget it. Yeah, yeah. Get off you the know. bus. Um, yeah. Okay, so you're a sneakerhead. Um, were you at there was a thing on in Limerick um, recently? Were you at that? No, what the fuck? Was no, it I wasn't. Sold out. Right. Okay. Which is a fucking terrible name for uh, an event. <laughs> I love it. A little pun. Uh, I love a little pun. That's a dad pun. Yeah. I, well, I immediately thought of like, oh, can't get tickets. It's sold out. That was what I thought of <laughs> immediately. Um. Limerick. It was sold out. It was called sold out. Sold out sneaker convention in Limerick. Yeah, um, no, I, w- I wasn't in, there in Ireland. Um, it actually looked pretty cool. I think people were selling. It was like, like a flea market setup. Yeah, yeah, they were selling, and like there was some of those, you know, like sneaker doctor things. You know, where you leave your shoes and clean them up and whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There was a few of those. I think that's that's my only. That is, I wasn't even there, and that is my only engagement with like sneakers outside of crossfit um okay so on a scale of difficulty of getting it right um the risk attached uh all the different little things you need to think about i would probably have shoes in crossfit i'd have them up with a barbell probably at the top of the scale top of the pyramid of like if you get this wrong people are gonna fucking hate it or yeah, yeah. if if this isn't if this isn't just right like people you know, people will like you know oh the bearings are you know they're not spinning right or whatever on a barbell and then like on shoes like oh it's too soft it's too hard it's too big it's too small it's too tight it's too wide it's too whatever whereas like a t-shirt it's like Oh, it's a t-shirt. It's fine. You know, like they won't get yeah, too yeah. caught up about it. So like, it, it, like, were you conscious of that going in that like we could potentially just fall on our face here because of the market we're going after is so loyal to shoes, like huge companies and shoes that have been around since the sport essentially started or since like people became interested in it so like was were you thinking of that at the time or were you like because surely the easy thing to do is to be like all right we'll just start off small we'll start making like t-shirts maybe shorts like shorts are quite difficult but we start making shorts and like you know there's a bit of a market for socks there and if we do that for like five six years we'll build up like you know a nice like nest egg and then we can go after like fucking i don't know and then after that, we go after shoes. Like, because yeah. going after shoes to me seems like, okay, what's the hardest thing you can do to get right? It's like, let's go for shoes. Was that, was that yeah. like deliberate, do you think? Yeah, that was, that was literally the mindset I had was, um, what's the hardest thing to make? I want to, 
enter this space and I want people to notice the brand and connect with it very quickly. And I was very fortunate that I had decent cash to be able to start the, the business. And so I pretty much did go, okay, what's the hardest thing we can do? Okay, it's footwear. Okay, that's what we're doing. Um, and I think the naivety around how hard shoes are to make was a great thing. Because I think if, if someone had come to me and said, you're going to need to know a thousand and one different things, I would have probably gone, okay, yeah, maybe I'll start with t-shirts. <laughs> but I looked at what was happening in the space and also the the competition when it comes to te- yes okay the competition when it comes to shoes you're against the biggest companies in the world but there's a handful of them when yeah, it comes okay. to t-shirts there are the biggest companies in the world plus there's a thousand other t-shirt companies that are making amazing yeah. t-shirts and have really cool graphics and and i just felt like to to kind of carve out the niche with a t-shirt was going to be i in a way i felt harder than the shoes yeah, I guess another benefit is there's no uh, well, innovate. Are innovate UK? They have a UK office, don't they? Yeah, they're not innovate, founded in the UK uh, though. UK. I actually listened to a really interesting podcast on innovate last night called um, "How I Built This." Have you heard okay. of that? No. They they interviewed the founder of that. But he, yeah, they they are UK based. Yeah, they're in the Lake District. Okay, well, they're they're. I'd consider them kind of global um yeah like you know there's a lot of australian athletes and a lot of like us and stuff so i guess a small okay obviously you don't want to be small <laughs> but a, a, an initial startup company is going to i feel anyway is going to get the backing of the uk community provided it's not like pissing on their doorstep so i'm thinking of like you know jst built up north like paul warrior those crowds like you know like it's kind of it's something that everyone can kind of get behind because they're like okay this is a new uk thing it's not affecting my revenue stream at all because they're not doing like what i do they're not doing t-shirts or they're not doing whatever so it's mm. it, it is good in that way that like yes it's difficult but it's also something that people can rally behind because it's not common and because it's not something that's done it's not something that people just say like, no, fuck it. I'm going to start a shoe company. So like the fact that the, the effort goes into it, like, uh, cause people can, like people can just be like, fuck it. I'm going to start a t-shirt company. And like, yeah. you know, like, okay, I've got like 1500. I'm going to buy one of those fucking screen print things. Or I've got like my mate makes whatever, or I'm just going to go down to that shop in town that prints t-shirts for you. Or I'll do it online on camera. The name of this website but they do like thing. drop shipping and all that sort yeah of thing, don't they? like so any anyone can do it like but mm. shoes is like uh, like we're going to get into how you end about it but shoes is like it's not something that you just wake up one morning and go like do you know what i'm going to do today so i think <laughs> that that's that's a benefit of it is that like the uk and i hope and assume the irish community as well and like europe because there isn't that like reebok nike and now noble are the three pillars at the minute of like are you mechons nanos or nobles and then there's some of the ogs and they seem to be making a bit of a comeback is innovate then are are mopping up the rest whereas i think like you know the, the more competition there is the better um yeah. on shoes yeah um 
so like you you have so you like shoes you have an idea of i want to start a shoe company but like where do you start so like you know i know what i like in a shoe and i know what i don't like in a shoe like is that where you start do you do, do you do like market research or is it is does that end up being like a horse designed by a committee as a camel like do you end do you not want to ask too many people like how do you go about deciding what it should be and what it shouldn't be yeah um i love that analogy horse design yeah that's really good um i i kind of went about it in saying okay there's what do the brands in this current space do really well from my perspective and i felt like they i think noble like the brand and what they've built is absolutely incredible you know i think they are so good with brand that no matter what they make people will buy it because they're mm. all in on that brand so i was like okay the brand has to be really really strong okay what do reebok and nike do really really well they are from a performance perspective i think a cut above everyone else right they they invest so much in performance okay for me personally i wasn't really a fan of the the aesthetic the look of them so i was like okay noble has this really cool brand and aesthetic um nike and reebok have the performance i want to build one that sits in the middle of those so i want to have the performance of the nikes and reeboks but i want to have an aesthetic that is more akin to noble i.e you would be comfortable wearing it outside of the gym and someone isn't going to mm. point at you and go oh you're a crossfitter they're going to go oh those shoes look cool <laughs> yeah you know um and so, so do you like just do you just part. buy like nanos and mechons and nobles and like wear them and think okay i like you know you're doing wall balls and you're jogging and doing skipping and stuff and then you're taking notes being like i like the heel i don't like the foot arch i don't like the you know the space of the toe is too small or too big or is that what you're doing or do you like i i never consciously did that i think i just kind of would wear shoes and and be like oh yeah i like wearing these and i think the best kind of shoe is probably one that you don't think about you just put it on and it's there um and i rightly or wrongly i i was never really a fan of like surveying people and seeing what they liked and i just kind of felt like i had this feeling of what was right and Mm. and it wasn't just like clear but it was just as we went through the process it was kind of we kind of got to this point where it just felt right i I don't know how to describe it um i think the ironically the hardest thing to do was to find a shoe designer how did you land on um the guy in oregon is it oregon so what we did was yeah is in oregon yeah so what we did was i was like right i need a shoe designer but they're not going to buy into this concept unless they believe in it so the first load of money was spent on effectively creating the brand because i was like if people believe in the brand and combine to that, then hopefully I can get some talent on that will want to help design it. Um, so we, we, we've kind of built this deck. Um, and I then got on blogs and 
and websites and Google and was just trying to find footwear designers and just could not find anyone. Craigslist. Yeah, yeah, it was literally like that. It was a needle in a haystack sort of thing. And I found this guy called Tom on a blog. And I initially, this was like four months into to the the journey, quote unquote. This was like April 2019. And we were happy with the brand or at the bare bones of it. I emailed him and he was like, he replied like a few days later. He was like, thanks so much. Uh, I'm actually really busy at the minute. Like, get back to me. Like, oh shit. Well, we can't really progress anywhere until we've got a shoe designer. So meanwhile, me and um, Tim, who's the branding uh, brains behind Brad, uh, we were like playing around on Photoshop, like sketching shoes that we, we liked the look of. Uh, and I contacted Tom again a few weeks later, still the same thing. He's like, I'm too busy. And then in July, I went to the games again with JST. And this time I was helping on the coaching side. And I messaged Tom and I said, hey, Tom, I'm going to come to Portland next week. I want to meet you. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and um, I met him pitched him the brand and then at the end of that meeting he was like yeah okay i'll design your shoe um, so is it that right. he didn't think did he did he not think that does he get like a lot of these emails and he's like yeah whatever i'm fucking busy or was it like the fact that you were actually willing to come he was like oh shit okay i'll i mean i'll listen to him then yeah exactly so his first thought was i get contacted all the time by people who want to make a shoe and they have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> and then the second thought was when we, as you said, as we met him in person, he was like, okay, these guys are legit. Like, yeah. I kind of believe in what they want to do. And that was um, kind of, it just snowballed from there. And and then is it like, so, like, I, I watched the video that came out, uh, like, two weeks ago now, or last week, um, and it was like, you were talking to camera, and Tom was talking to camera, and then um, there was a lady as well. KK. Um, yeah. Um and she was saying, and she goes, so we went to the shoe capital of the world and it was like some fucking random place in China I've never heard of. And yeah. I was like, my immediate thought was like, imagine that. Like imagine going to China and like walking around a factory. You have no fucking clue what any of the machines do. I'm <laughs> being like, yeah, so can you make this shoe or is this a thing? Like, did you actually physically go to China or was it like, was it a, a delegation sent and i assume somebody goes who's like oh i know how to do this it's fine yeah yeah so i never actually unfortunately when we were about to fly and then everything shut down this is in march 2020 2020 yeah so we, we went through the design process we were sampling back and forth from august of 2019 through to march and then when you say when sampling, could... do you mean Tom was sending you stuff or like the yeah, factories so, were sending you? Yeah, so Tom Tom sketches um, and then he gets blueprints and he would tweet the blueprint. So everything is done in 2D first on the screen. Then you send yeah. that to the factory and then they turn that into a 3D file and they send that back. And then we review that and we're happy with that. And then they'll print out 3D print apart. So the bottom of a shoe oh. is called the tooling. They would 3D print the tooling and then the, the top of the shoe is called the upper. And they would put the upper around a last. So, you know, like those old wooden oh, uh, yeah, yeah. lasts you would see in a cobbler's. 
So there's like your two parts of your shoe. And generally the tooling is much harder than the upper. So we spent a lot of time iterating on the tooling. Can you wear the we, one that they send you? No. Is so it like a you ha- model? Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can slip your foot in, but you, you also develop in a, in a controlled size. And it's normally a nine or uh, an eight okay. UK. Uh, so it was too small for me. So I couldn't try it. Um, but Tom was trying it and he was like broadly happy with it. Is it an and actual we shoe like, or is it like you yeah, wouldn't so wear it around? Like a, no. So the bottom is, is, um, is like hard or it's like a sort of slightly malleable plastic. And then the upper, okay. like you can put it on and feel roughly what it, it fits. But it's like. not like a finished article. It's like a no. quick, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then at that point, when you're happy with the model, you would then go to the factory and you would, they would iterate and that week you would then basically end up with a prototype, but we okay. never got that opportunity because everything shut down. <laughs> so that when, at so, that point, do they just make, they make a pair of shoes? Yeah. A pair with, and what, with the mold. What's, the t- what's, what's the time scale from, uh, Tom starting to sketch his design to tweaking the blueprint. How long does that take? So that's about six months. Fuck off. That is so long. And then (laughs) what is the timescale from uh, them getting the blueprints to you getting the fake shoe, like the one that the 3D printed one? So that's about from from the very beginning to that point when you get the 3D printed is is about seven or eight months. Okay, so they work quicker than Tom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're quicker. (laughs) We're going back and forth in the the yeah, yeah. And then how long up to that you, you get the real shoe pretty quick then, do you? No, the, the real prototype. shoe is the, that takes forever. So that's oh, fuck, another okay. like three or four months. So you, it's probably nine months by the time you get your first prototype. God, it's so long waiting, especially when you've like given up everything <laughs> like to do. And then you're just sitting. Cause like, that's one thing that I was, I was uh, curious about. So you like, you decide you're doing this you sell like you essentially sell your company like you sell your stake in the gym you go all in you start this off you finally get your man that you want um he's working on it you're just you're just sitting at home (laughs) you're just like wait like I, cause I've been there with like really small things and I get so impatient like I email someone um, oh, hey, do you want to do an interview this day? And they'll email back straight away saying, yeah, what time suits? And then I'll say like eight o'clock. And then I'll be like, why the fuck have they not replied? Like, what yeah, can they yeah. possibly be doing that they haven't replied Sorry, yet? And like, no, no, but like, that's like on a minute scale compared to, hey, I sold my fucking business and I'm waiting for this guy, Tom, to just send me the picture <laughs> of the thing. Like, why has he not got to finish yet? Like, you know, I don't understand this. And then, then you've got this, like, it's so hard to, comprehend how you must have felt waiting essentially indefinitely for like and then covid like just pisses all over everything i'm assuming like when they were talking about like oh like this new virus in china whatever you were like oh god damn it like why couldn't it be anywhere else apart from china um but like like are you it does the belief in what you're doing without wanting to sound contrived. Like does the belief in what you're doing, keep you going through that? Is it like that, that it's all 
part of the plan and that like we talked about where like just keep going another mile and you don't know what's coming like it'll come good or like were there days where you were like fuck this like it's taking too long I need to get a different designer or I need to stop doing it and do something else or maybe I should just do t-shirts or whatever yeah I I never had a thought of going back or changing I just was like well this is how long it takes yeah and you I mean, rewinding to opening the gym, that took like 12 months to get it through planning, just to yeah. get a change of use on it. So I wasn't worried about waiting. And I was, you know, I, I had, it almost gave me the ability to really think about the way in which I wanted the brand to come to the space. You know, I think had everything happened really quickly, the messaging we would have sent out wouldn't have been right. Um, you know, the way in which we're positioning it, you know, wouldn't have been right. There's There's been a change in my thinking around how we talk about our environmental impact, you know, and, and what that means. And to, to do that in a meaningful way now, I think there's so many brands who are, yeah. who are kind of just jumping on the bandwagon for, for the sake oh, of it. Oh, man. You know? My fucking bank. Is, oh. My my bank is like <laughs> telling me to bank with them. I'm hearing ads on the radio telling me to bank with them because it's good for the environment. And I'm like, how? Like, yeah. What? I know. Because you're not printing fucking check images when I lodge a check. Like, that's not, that doesn't mean it's good for the environment. It makes me want to yeah. leave the bank like that. Like, fake. Yeah. Uh, so it, with, with the uh, environmental impact then, I suppose oh. I had two questions about that was like, wouldn't it be easier to just not do that like to just to just make shoes and then why what about it made you like push through the fact that oh my god this would be so much more straightforward if i just like just made shoes and didn't say anything about the environment yeah i think i think we're in a time where we're the generation that kind of needs to fix what our parents did and and Mm -hmm. older you know and I think yes it costs more and it takes longer but it's almost like it's it shouldn't be a differentiator from a brand perspective it should just be the norm yeah. and I think in in the next 5 years it will be the norm and that's what I hope you know I don't want yeah. it to be a a like if someone says what's your USP I wouldn't be like oh it's we're 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 more environmentally friendly or we you know our impact is less but i think the reason why i want to bring it to the forefront is because i want other brands to 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 do that you know they should be considering what their impact is um and i also think the consumer um has a right to know you know you you shouldn't uh hide how much damage you're doing as a business yeah i think consumers are getting picky now as well where they're kind of they look they if if they're you know split between two shoes that could be the the, it well it should be and it could be the thing that pushes them to to yours i guess and i think it you know it's a a necessity for 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 the brand so that that's the main reason you know um what? You mentioned it, there that it wouldn't be your USP. What would you say is your unique selling point then? 
So I think for me, the USP is how we, the aesthetic, you know, I, I would hope that, and, th and this is, again, is very, it's something that's hard to convey because what one person likes the look of, another mm. person might really dislike. But my hope is that people will look at the shoe and go, ah, oh, I like the look of that shoe. And then they will investigate further. So yeah. it's always been about visually, how do we come across as a brand? And if that gets people interested in the brand and then they try the product and they go, oh yeah, it performs really well. And then they go, oh cool. Actually, from an environmental standpoint, they're switched on or they're a bit better. Then cool, I, I want to go with that brand. But it, first and foremost, I think people will buy or choose us because they like how we look. Yeah. You, know? you need to like it to put it on, I guess. And then when you put yeah. it on, you can think, oh, it's nice. Yeah. Or you yeah. might put it on and go, as you said, it's too narrow or it's, it doesn't, I'm in between sizes or I don't like how the no, arch ben, is. They'll put it on. They'll put it on <laughs> and angels will sing over their shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't say that because I don't want to be sued. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I mean, Jesus, if someone believes that. Um, okay. Other thing, another thing I wanted to ask you about was I would categorize this as probably the online version of like guerrilla marketing is what I'd call what you've done, where a lot of companies announce their arrival and they... Okay, a lot of companies announce their arrival and they buy like 10,000 followers. And then a lot of companies uh, announce their arrival with some big, like, fuck off, landmark, like, launch. And, you know, or a, a lot of other people um, announce their arrival by, um, who's no more in the UK? Zach George. They'll send him a pair of shoes and get him talking about it. And then they'll send his friend and, oh, yeah, you get talking about it. And then they'll pick top female athletes, send her a pair and you get talking about it. Um, yours, your launch was understated. And it, I've gotten a lot of messages being like, the fuck is this rad thing? Like from yeah. when I've shared stuff. And it's been the same. I know other people who have said the same. Um, who have gotten like every time you put on your story, you get at least ten people saying, "What is this?" Like because it like it's only early to mid December where it was like, "Here is a picture of a shoe." Like up until that yeah. point, it was like flashing across the screen. It was like, "Was that a shoe?" Like what was that? Um, yeah. so one, I think that was really eye catching. It was very clever, like where it was kind of just just subtle and understated and enough and enough to build intrigue without pissing people off. Where they were like, "Just show it to me." Um. Yeah. And I think it was different because the other ways that I've described, I think, is the way that everybody does it. Like, everybody does it one of those ways. So I think yeah. to find, especially now when social media is kind of, I would argue, at its peak or coming towards its peak, to find a new way to advertise, I think, is impressive. Um, Thank you. I think, what was the guy's name you said is behind the brand? Tim. The branding aspect. Tim. I think he's yeah. done a very good job because I know that it's important to you that it kind of meets the intersection of like skateboarding and like, what would you call it? 
like counterculture or like subcultures, like little, yeah. like which, which CrossFit essentially is. Um, yeah. And it kind of plays off that. I think that's very clever. I think the aesthetic of it is very nice. I like the neons and the different colors and stuff and, uh, and the, the kind of the jump cuts and stuff are very cool. Um, was it a conscious decision to like slow burn it? Like to, to not go, like, was it hard not to go the other ways? Was it hard not to do the tried and tested of let's just fucking give Steve Foster a pair of shoes, get him to put it up. He's got like 20,000 followers, get him to put it up. That's 20,000 eyes on it. Maybe. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a conscious decision to, to go for the slow burn because when you do that, those people that discover it and find it, talk about it. Whereas, and, and that's part of the joy, I think, of finding a new brand is you, you discover it and you, 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 you get to experience it for the first time. And then you go, Oh, wow, this is really cool. I'm one of the few people that know about it. Right. And you feel special. Whereas if you're boosting loads of ads on Instagram and paying people to wear it and post about it, it just, I think as a consumer, it feels contrived and forced. It's like this brand is forcing me to look at it. Whereas when you find it on your own terms, you're in control of how you engage with it. And so I felt like we would get much more engagement and like the early adopters would be bigger fans because they had discovered it for themselves and decided they liked it. Not us saying you like this because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's ownership. I think it's like, or a, at least a sense of ownership or a, that ground, ground floridness where you're like, yeah. oh, I've, I've known about, th-. it's like when you, when you, when someone hears a band and they're like, well, I've known about them for three years now. I just didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just exactly. didn't about it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, when, um, yeah. Like when that, it builds that actionable, um, actionable community that I was talking about before we kind of start recording where it's like, like I've had that said to me where people are like, oh, it's not really frustrating. Like when you see like how many followers like Talking Elite have or how many listens like Savannah has or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, but like that's not why I'm doing it. And it's like I'd rather have like 5,000 people who will click something if I say like, look, I really need your help with this. Like, can you click this? It would mean a lot. Uh, rather than having 20,000 people where 100 people are like, okay, I'll do that. The rest are like, didn't even see it or didn't, you know, yeah. just skim past or whatever. Yeah, um, I completely agree. And and, and I think yeah. let's also not forget that the space we're kind of coming at it from is about being wholly authentic. Yeah. Right. And I, I that was really important for me is to, to ensure that people trust the brand. And I think that little video that we put out, as you said, a week ago was, it was almost like the the community understanding who is behind the brand, not to be like boastful, but to know that it's come from the community. Mm. You know, when, when you look at the brands that have entered the space, they're, they are from a different sport and they've seen an opportunity, you know, which is great. Mm. That's business, right? You see an opportunity, you make something for that opportunity, but I wanted to really I guess, get the trust of the consumer knowing that this is like a hundred percent authentic. Hmm. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I like that. Um, but even like even from my perspective, like I saw the videos, I saw the like the Instagram, and I saw other people sharing it, and I had that like, what is this? And then like clicking in, and then being like, oh, this is intriguing, and then oh, I like the look of it, whatever. And then like I was sharing it, and I got messages off people saying like, oh, is this a new sponsor? And I was like, nope. Like I just kind of like the vibe of it. I kind of like I'm I'm really fucking excited to see what this shoe look like because I like shoes, and I'm gonna keep sharing it until someone shows me a picture of a shoe and then when i saw when i saw the picture of the shoe i was like i'm gonna keep sharing it because i like the look of that shoe Do you know i think like it it i think like we social media has kind of gotten to that point where it's like if there's 10 crossfit games athletes telling you that this is the best thing i've ever tried you're like okay oh i'm conscious of burning bridges in case oh, fuck it. <laughs> i like say beam like beam that sleep thing that is my current okay, is it good because it's good or is it good because they're paying you to tell me that it's good? And I can't, I, I don't know why, but with Beam, I just cannot get across that speed bump of like, and I, I've never tried it. I've no information about it. I've never talked to anyone who's tried it and paid for it. So, and yeah. I don't know how many people I've seen trying it have paid or, or haven't, but I'm just assuming because they're all games level athletes that they're being sent this stuff either for free or they're being sent it and paid and then hey can you do x amount of posts a week or whatever so when i see like oh it's an absolute necessity i'm like is it like is it a necessity or are you tell are you like is your bank balance telling you to tell me it's a necessity so then i think that's what i liked about rad was that it was like nobody is being paid to say like it's you know steve like all your competitive crossfit career and he's like doing you a favor and he believes in what you're doing like paul warrior is a sneakerhead and he's like fucking ridiculously creative and like he's he is a subculture in crossfit which is a subculture like he's a subculture yeah. himself in it so yeah, like yeah. for him to share it i was like okay like he you know i i trust him with it because he wouldn't like i don't think you could buy him um no. other people i've seen sharing it similarly i'm like okay well i know that they don't do that like they don't share stuff just because like as a you know because they've been paid to or because they've been told to so i think that it does draw attention i think um We've mentioned Noble a couple of times, and they're doing okay for themselves. Um, they're doing very well. They're doing all right. Um, <laughs> so they, they, uh, I spoke to uh, Michael on this show uh, like last year, a year and a half ago, and he was talking about how they launched more or less their first activation. I learned that word like two weeks ago. Their first yeah. activation was at Wadapalooza. And now you're launching a Wadapalooza. Is this the first time that you'll be meeting a random member of the public and handing them a pair of shoes? Yes. The fucking stress of that. Why did you pick Wadapalooza? Um, so in all honesty, I thought we were going to have the product sooner. Okay. Um, I thought we were going to have the product in November, December time. Okay. Um, and I Is this like Suez Su Su Canal COVID kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, in China, there was a period where the government was mandating power uh, outages and there was no warning. They would just, the, the, the workers would turn up to the factory and there'd be no power that day or that week. Okay. And so things got Seems delayed. Reasonable. Yes, it's really reasonable. Um, I think it's to do with them hitting emissions targets. I think that's what I've heard. 
That's one um, way to do it. Yeah, so fair play. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it wasn't great for our for our schedule. So yeah, things got pushed back. Um, and this is kind of like yeah, this is like our launch. Um, we were hoping to have had a soft launch, and then this would be like our official launch kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it'll be the first time that a customer gets to try the shoe. Um, I feel confident that they will like them. Um, the, the athletes that we had testing them uh, gave us some great praise. So that was that was kind of like, okay, we'll be okay. You know, how how hard is it to hand over a pair of shoes to an athlete and be like, don't like, don't don't put a picture up of these. Like, don't. <laughs> Do you know what I think? They, I think they enjoyed, because I think, you know, CrossFitters love shoes, don't they? And they love trainers mm. and it's kind of like part of the, the culture, isn't it? And I think, mm. you know, they were excited to, to try something for the first time. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting and, and people have questions and they enjoy being kind of part of the process. So um, I don't think I had to tell anyone to take any posts down. Can't remember. <laughs> and um, how did that come about then? Like, I'm assuming the conversations with Keith and Dylan and whoever, like Loud and Live and whoever else at Water Blues, I'm assuming they were similar to the conversations um, with the designer in Oregon, where you're like, no, no, we're actually serious. Like, I'm assuming they don't just, you just don't just say, like, hey, can we launch our shoe? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. I assume they're like, show us the shoe. Like, yeah, how well, many have so you got? This, is it like, is it like so one funny. shoe? Yeah, that's really funny. So uh, I'm sure they won't mind me saying, I probably sent them five or six emails through from like June. Because I was like, how early do I need to start contacting these guys? Like, yeah. Is it going to sell out really quickly? Like, I want to make sure I, I get a spot. Like, I knew it was going to be really busy. Uh, so I was, like, emailing them and had nothing, like, no response, nothing. And then I can't remember. They did a post on Instagram that was, like, vendor spots live. I literally went on the website and just paid the deposit. I didn't, like, ask them any questions. I just, like, paid the deposit and then pretty much instantly got a reply saying, uh, you just paid a deposit. Did you mean to do that? And I was like, yeah, I've been trying to speak to you for like four months. <laughs> um, and then they were like, okay, so you're a new footwear brand. Okay. That sounds good. Um, and yeah, we just, it, it did, you know, we, we, I think we paid our, we paid our fee. Um, and we're, you know, we're being treated as, as a vendor, you know, we're not a yeah. partner or anything like that. Um, so I think, you know, as long as you pay, you pay your fee, they're probably not too worried. Yeah. Um, I think in, in their defense, they were doing like an activation at the games and stuff. So they were probably yeah, busy we'll let them when you, when yeah, you were emailing were. them. They just well, finished was... semifinals and they were, yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. they were very good. Um, okay, well, I, I'll tell you what, I really, really admire launching at Wadapalooza because I think when I spoke to Michael from Noble, one of the things he was saying was how like the, the trust in the brand was, or the trust in the shoe was so great that it was like, if we can just get someone to put it on their foot, we are so confident that they'll like it, that they'll buy it, that it'll be fine. And I think you're following the same suit of you're going a step further. I mean, like if we can get them to see it, they'll try it. If they try it, they'll like it. If they like it, they'll yeah. buy it. And I think yeah, it's admirable. Um, how did Wit come about then? Because obviously Wit have become 
the go to. I remember there was a period of time where they were the cross. Like if you went on a store on the CrossFit website, it brought you to it, and they were, they had like the store at the games, and it got bigger. And like, how did uh, joining up with them come about? So they um, they're based in London, and the London scene is is small, right? Um, yeah. And so I've known Dan for. Four or five years, uh, and I told him about the the idea, um, probably at the beginning of last year. And he was he was he's been super supportive and like, well, yeah, sounds great. But almost, I almost think in the back of his mind, going, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, it, he we kind of have he's kind of been a, the person I kind of go to and go just like tease him. Cause I knew he wouldn't say anything, but I could like gauge some feedback as to whether he'd be like, Oh yeah, that looks fucking cool. Or, Oh my God, what the fuck are you doing? Um, Cause he doesn't, platforms. he can't make yeah, platforms yeah. for CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really mince his words. Um, and yeah, we kind of just, I think again, because I kind of spoke to him early enough, he's, mm felt like he's been on the journey a little bit too and has kind of enjoyed seeing how it's progressed and seeing the shoe and yeah he he I kind of said well look would you would you stock it and he was like yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll do some to begin with um so it's kind of again is that, ex- again, is that of, exclusive exclusive launch with them then yeah so wit is uh, exclusive in the UK um uh and then we're doing We'll have online in the UK and then we'll have online in the US, Canada and yeah, US and Canada to start with. Um, okay. And then and we'll, that's on the we'll that's on the 27th of January. Yeah. Yeah. 27th of January in the UK. 20th for um, the US, North America, is it? Yeah, that's right. And we've kind of had to keep it small because our stock levels are so, okay. so small. Um, and is it, is, it's... Is it like Chinese New Year now uh, coming up in... Yeah. So is that going to like curtail things a little bit again? Yeah, so Chinese New Year starts on the 20th, I think, or the 18th. So we're trying to get our second production run out before Chinese New Year. And then we should have more stock. And the plan is to hopefully start Europe going uh, by May time. Okay. Um. um so where do you go... Like after you launch, so like, well, okay, assumptive, but you know, I I reckon I'm correct. So Waterpalooza goes really well. Everyone's talking about it. Goes online, the US sells out. Everyone's talking about it. Goes online in the UK, sells out. Everyone's talking about it. You get your next batch. Like if you're marketing a shoe as this is the best looking shoe and the best performing shoe, where do you go from there? Because like, do you, like, how do you improve on perfection? Like, do you make a, you know, have you got ideas for like another similar shoe or do you, do you think you can't make, is it like, do you just change the color or do you like revamp it all together and like nano and say like, okay, we're going to do a totally different shoe next year. Or like, do you say like, okay, maybe lifters, like maybe we start looking at that. Like where do, where do you go after this one goes well? Yeah. So there's two, there's two parts. So the, from the shoe itself, like this model, um, I think 
the first port of call is how do we change the construction or the materials we're using to minimize our impact even more? Okay. You know, can we use 100% recycled materials in the upper, for instance, you know? And I think as that technology becomes more readily available to a startup, we'll be able to do those things. Right now, because you need so much money to invest in R&D, we can't do that. But what we can mm. do to your, your kind of other question is we can look at a different style of shoe. So we've started to develop the running shoe. Um, okay, yeah. And that's, that's in development now. And the way in which we're, we're approaching that is, again, we're trying to bring that kind of subculture of skate and surf to the running market. Um, mm. Again, it will link back to training. Uh, and we're, we're trying to develop a foam that is nicer or better for a heavier athlete. You know, we're, we've yeah. got loads of muscle, so we're heavy. Um, whereas all the top flight running shoes are developed with 60 kilo, you know, male athletes and like 45 kilo women, they, you know, they're tiny. And those foams yeah. aren't great when you're, you're wearing like 100 kilos. They just compress too much. So that's our kind of oh, angle on that. That's that's what wrong. That's what's wrong when I'm running. Oh, yeah, that's that true. <laughs> Do you see that guy ran five k in twelve minutes? Something. 12, I mean, what he must have. I think he had rollerblades in his shoes. I think he got a taxi, <laughs> <laughs> and and didn't hit any traffic. Um, okay, uh, clothing like sponsorship athlete deals event sponsorships like working with individuals working with teams working with podcasts maybe uh, is that yeah. is that something that you've thought about as well like further down the line or is it a case of like okay we need like three years to get a really fucking solid base like a really good stock and then we can start looking at that kind of stuff yeah i think again it will be kind of natural and it will feel right um yeah i think you know then once we we've kind of got underway the plan is to start looking at clothing and apparel and again bringing our aesthetic to that and my hope is that whilst we're kind of starting in training we can then pivot and look to uh surf and ski and skating yeah. and position ourselves in that space rather than going after the traditional field sports you know yeah. so i'd like to think we would have an outerwear arm of our offering you know with Gore-Tex jackets and things like that um and then in terms of athletes I'd love to sign some amazing athletes you know um I think the sport is in a place now where you can start to make some money as an athlete but I'd yeah. love to be in a position to be able to support uh some some great athletes because they work so hard and you don't get the recognition, you know, you, you train as hard, if not harder than any other of the top athletes on, on the planet, but the money isn't in the sport yet. But I think we're getting there, yeah. you know. I mean, even like, it's it's funny because even the, the excitement, like I spoke to Lazar Jukic a while ago on here and then I was like messaging him, DMing him and he's like, I just absolutely adore his like genuine enthusiasm and like, not naivety, just like excitedness, kind of. Where, like, he put up a post. Um, <laughs> so, 
I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. I said, um, he's he. Someone asked him one of the like you know those question boxes. And someone asked him like something about like sponsorship, and he was like, "Oh, big announcement coming." So I replied to his story, and I was like, first coffee pods and wallet sponsored athlete." And he goes, he he like was genuine and was like, "Yeah, like you know, let's talk or you know, whatever." Yeah. And I was like, I was like the first sponsorship where the athlete has to pay the sponsor. <laughs> you know, I was like, it's, it's, and then he was like, oh, I kind of thought you were being serious. Um, but then he announced, uh, he put up a post where he was like thanking his old, like clothing partner, like who was sponsoring him. And I was like, oh, like there actually is a big announcement. Like this is exciting for him. And he was like, I said, like, congrats, like this, uh, like I just saw your post, this obviously means there is a big announcement coming, I'm really happy for you. And he was like, oh, I'm so excited. Like, he was like, I'm so, I can't wait, I'm so excited. And I was just so thrilled for him that, like, he's yeah, with yeah. that, uh, is it TYO or Tier Sports yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And I was just so happy for him because it's like, it is like that you're saying that where you're on that bubble. And like, he kind of had a breakout year this year, but he's been on that bubble for a while. And now it's like, oh, like, it, all my chickens are coming home to roost here. This is great, like. So I yeah. think, yeah, to, to be to be in a position, um, it's something I'd love to do, but I don't think it'll ever happen, but to be in a position where there's someone who's, who's just on the cusp and you can just say, like, hey, don't don't worry about your flights or, like, hey, don't worry yeah. about, like, here's, you know, that I think that, that's an amazing thing to, to be able to offer to the sport and people that do it. Um, okay, well, look, we'll, we'll finish with a quick fire. Um, so they're all either or. Um, so row or ski? Ski. Um, see, now I meant machine, but now I'm thinking when, because you used to ski no, when you were younger. So. Definitely, <laughs> definitely machine. I hate okay, yeah. I'm quite good on the ski. Um, bike or run? Run. Uh, clean or snatch? Snatch. Strength or cardio? Strength, currently. Uh, coach or compete? compete okay um well look i've i didn't know anything about you before we talked um like very very little which is like maybe nervous but it was fun um <laughs> we've 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 chatted a little bit on dms and i think i you're one of those people i just really really wanted to do well you're a really likable guy you're a really affable guy um you're clearly passionate about what you're doing you've clearly got a good idea and a good good team working with you um, I'm really excited to see the launch at Wadapalooza. I'm excited to see the North American launch on the 20th and the UK launch on the week after the Thursday after 27th. Um, I can't wait to see an actual physical shoe um, on someone's foot. I'm really excited uh, to, 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 I just, it's, it's, I'm just really excited for what's coming because I think you're, you're, you're singing from a similar hymn sheet to mine of, you know, just the, the feeling towards starting something. So, um, yeah, best of luck with everything and you'll have to come back on when you, when you launch your running shoot. I would love to. Thank you. So I was really nervous to talk to you, I must confess. Um, but I love, I love chatting to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank <laughs> you.